Hi, Gospel Fellowship. Pastor David here. Uh, for those of you who weren't able to join us at our first evening pavilion service of 2023, it was a wonderful time. Our hope is to have about six or seven of these in total between now into the first weekend of October. So I do hope you can join us uh, for a great time of worship and fellowship and a good meal even afterwards. At this first evening pavilion service, I preached on a very interesting passage, a very difficult one, uh, from Daniel chapter 9. It's sometimes referred to as the 70 weeks prophecy for reasons that will become rather clear when I read the text in a moment. Um, I preached on this section of scripture, and I'm going to try to take this and divide it into three much shorter segments uh, for those of you who are either watching or listening now. Uh, hopefully those who weren't able to be there can make use of this uh, and even if you were there and wanted a chance to perhaps listen to some of this a second time, uh, this is for you. Uh, now, this is a rather difficult text uh, for a few different reasons. Uh, the first reason why Daniel 9 verses 24 and following is difficult is simply that it's hard to translate. Uh, pretty much every commentator, at least that I've come across, acknowledges uh, that there are different ways that people often take the words involved, different allusions to what is being described, uh, even sometimes the simple question of who is the implied subject of a particular sentence. When it says he, who is the he, is not always obvious. So it makes uh, some challenges uh, both for the translator and especially then for the interpreter. A second reason why uh, this text is so difficult is that uh, interpretations are so varied. Uh, we won't have time uh, today. I did not have time when we preached on this uh, the other night uh, to go through all of the different interpretations of this text. It would end up being um, a sermon on commentaries rather than a sermon on the text if we took that approach. But just to give you an example, in just the first few hundred years of the New Testament church, there was already a variety of ways that people understood some of the significance of this text. Most interpreters understood that there was at least some reference to Jesus Christ as the anointed one, as you'll see when we read and discuss, discuss this text in a moment. Uh, but especially the last week that is mentioned in this prophecy, there's variation as to whether or not the last week, the 70th week, describes things that are still future from our perspective, uh, perhaps, uh, according to some, involving the workings of, a so -called, of the so-called Antichrist. Uh, some uh, view much of what takes place in the 70th week as largely fulfilled in the time of Christ and some of the events that followed his earthly ministry. Uh, so even in the first few hundred years, there were a variety of interpretations. In fact, there's one man uh, who was kind of the outlier towards the end of the 4th century who actually thought that everything that is described in the 70 weeks prophecy, was fulfilled even before Christ came. Now, that's an interpretation that I want to distance myself from, most certainly, because I think it speaks mostly of Jesus Christ. But, just to give you an example of how varied interpretations are, the third reason uh, why this is a rather difficult passage to understand and even to preach from is that in my experience, there seem to be uh, two kinds of people in relation to this text. Uh, the first kind of person is one is, uh, who is perhaps rather unfamiliar with this prophecy and unfamiliar as well with some of the 
historical issues that surround its interpretation. Uh, and so if you talk to this, that particular person about this prophecy, their eyes will probably glaze over and most of what you say will go right over their heads. Now, I'll, I'll admit here, full disclosure, uh, most of the time, I end up falling into that category. Uh, this is a difficult text, uh, and many of the historical details uh, can be challenging. Uh, so uh, if this describes you, uh, we are at least in the same company. But the second kind of person is perhaps the other extreme, uh, where someone uh, has a meticulous and detailed, uh, deep-seated conviction about how every single part of this text must be interpreted. And they can recount all sorts of historical details. So when you talk to that kind of person, then your eyes glaze over, and everything they say just goes right over your head. Uh, so again, it can be rather difficult uh, to approach a text like this. Well, my intention, first of all, uh, for those of you especially who are part of Gospel Fellowship, I do hope at some point, I hope I can follow through on this, I do hope to have a more detailed Sunday school class on some of the material that is both in this particular text as well as some of the various interpretations uh, that have been taken on this text. I am by no means an expert on it, uh, nor would we be able even to fit all of that into a particular Sunday school class Hour, but I hope to have some more detailed look at it. But for now, just as the other night, for now, my hope is to give a non-technical look at the main points of this text for the non-historian. I'm not going to throw out a lot of dates. There might be some that I give to you. But the point is not to have a technical look at various aspects of history that most of us don't already know. Um, and the reason why... I think I'm justified in taking this kind of approach, hitting the main ideas and a non-technical look for the non-historian. Uh, the reason why I think this is appropriate, at least for some of the time, is actually uh, some of how Gabriel chooses to speak to Daniel. It's actually rather amazing. Uh, Gabriel speaks to Daniel, uh, someone who does, is not able to work out some of the same historical detail that we can from our perspective as as those on the other side of some of this, at least some, if not all of this history, um, uh, we're able to work through more detail than perhaps Daniel could. But Ga Gabriel assumes that Daniel is able to understand what he's saying. And I want to show you that in the text. If you have a Bible, you're definitely going to want to have it open here. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, uh, Gabriel comes and speaks to Daniel uh, and, and he says this, verse 22, Daniel's recounting rather here. He says, he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. And then in verse 23, at the end, therefore consider the word and understand the vision. Again, in verse 25, know therefore and understand. The point is this, Gabriel expects that Daniel can understand what it is that he is going to say. So that fact is going to restrain much of what we talk about now because we want to try to discuss these things and understand them in terms of what Daniel himself might have understood. Daniel may not have been able to pinpoint particular persons by name or particular dates in history, 
in some of the ways that we might want to, but still he understands. And that's what's going to restrain our understanding of this text. So we'll hit the main points, a non-technical look for the non-historian. So the three main things that I'm going to look at, and I'm probably going to divide this into three sections to make this just a little bit more bite-sized for us. Three main things. First, we're going to look at the weeks, the 70 weeks. What is the significance of Gabriel talking about 70 weeks? Secondly, we're going to look at the two main subjects of this prophecy. Uh, Notice I'm going to focus on two main subjects. So for many of you, if you're familiar with this text, you will already know that you're going to have questions at the end of my look at this passage. And I'm not surprised by that. That's okay. We're not here to answer all of the questions, but to see what are the two main subjects of this prophecy. So we have the weeks, which I'll cover now, the two main subjects, and then finally, in our last video, I'll consider uh, some thoughts as to why this prophecy still matters for us. Why does it still matter uh, even for us today? So the main section that we'll consider is the 70 weeks prophecy or the 70 weeks themselves. What is the point there? Well, let me read this text first of all. I've not done that yet. Just a little bit of context for you. Uh, Daniel, uh, we learn in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 9, Daniel discerns uh, that the people of God are coming to the end of the 70-year exile period in Babylon. Uh, after the Babylonian exile. They're coming to the end of the 70-year period, and so he prays to the Lord. And he prays, confessing his sin, the sin of the people, and also declaring that God has been righteous and just in everything that he has done to the people on account of their sin, even the exile itself and the desolation of the holy place and temple. But Daniel prays to the Lord, asking that the Lord would be faithful to his promises to now restore his people to the land, restore his people to himself, as they have now reached the end of the prophesied 70 years of exile. And then Gabriel comes to Daniel, he brings him a word, and much of what he says is this 70 weeks prophecy. So let me read that now. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Gabriel says this to Daniel, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks." Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in a troubled time. And after the sixty-two weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. 
Our intention today uh, is simply to look at one main part of this 70 weeks uh, prophecy. I'll have two more videos. Um, they should all be released about the same time. But right now, uh, we want to consider the significance of the 70 weeks that Gabriel describes. 70 uh, weeks. Now, it's interesting when it says weeks, some of you may have a footnote in your Bible uh, that simply uh, footnotes, uh, re, uh, gives an alternate translation as simply sevens. This is 70 groups of seven. Now, ordinarily, when we think of a week or a group of seven, we think of seven days. Uh, so there were six days uh, given to the people of God to work, and then the seventh day was a day of rest, the Sabbath rest. For So a whole week brought you through to a cycle of finally a day of rest. Now, it seems pretty obvious, and almost every commentator acknowledges this, uh, that what Gabriel is talking about uh, is something more significant and more ultimate than what might happen to Daniel within the next 70 weeks in terms of days in his life. So probably, Daniel is not thinking about uh, uh, weeks of days, but probably another uh, idea that certainly does have a solid place in the Old Testament and that is probably along the lines of weeks of years. So with that in mind, I want you to turn, if you have a Bible, if you don't have one, pause this video, and you may want to get one, because we're going to be turning around to a few, looking at a few different passages. Uh, turn to Luke, uh, sorry, Leviticus 25. Leviticus chapter 25. And we learn about uh, these groups of years, of seven years, and the particular place that this has in the life of God's people. Leviticus 25, verses 3 and 4. Let me read this for you. For six years you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. So just like there was a pattern of six days of work and a seventh day of rest in which there was no work, so also there was a similar larger pattern of six years of work and a seventh year in which you did not work the land, but there was a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. Uh, this is probably the kind of thing that is in the backdrop uh, to what Gabriel is talking, uh, saying to Daniel. Uh, that here was a group of seven, a week of years uh, that would move him, uh, move the people of God into a day of rest. One seven is one week of years. But remember what Gabriel says to Daniel. He doesn't just talk of weeks of years, but 70 weeks of years. So we're going to move this just a little bit further and consider another grouping of seven. There is the six days and the seventh day rest. There are six years and the seventh year of Sabbath rest. And there is another grouping in which there are seven cycles of Sabbath rests. Seven cycles of seven that then bring us to a year of Jubilee. So let me read that for you. Again, Leviticus chapter 25, verses 8 through 10. You shall count seven weeks of years, or seven sevens of years, seven cycles of sevens of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. 
Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month. And then to verse 10. And you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And when each of when each of you shall return to his property, and each of you shall return to his clan. So the year of Jubilee was taking the, a week of years, a cycle of seven years in which there's six of work and the seventh of rest. And you go through that entire, entire cycle, a week of years, and you do that seven times. So seven years is one week. And seven cycles of seven years is now 49 years, seven times seven, so that the 50th year is now a year of jubilee. So seven weeks of years brings you then to a year of jubilee. But again, uh, the angel Gabriel, when he comes and speaks to Daniel, he doesn't quite say seven weeks of years. Remember, he says 70 weeks of years. Now, there's two ways to take this. Either what's going on uh, is that the 50th year, the year of Jubilee, can be counted as the first year of the next cycle, so that when you get through 49 years, the next year, year number 50, is the uh, year of Jubilee, but it is also year number one when you're counting the next cycle of 49 years. In that case, uh, Gabriel is talking about. Uh, 10 cycles of jubilees. Now, if there's not quite uh, that idea of the 50th year also being the first, uh, then you at least get the idea that Gabriel is speaking to Daniel in terms of a tenfold jubilee. Either way, get this point, that when Gabriel speaks to Daniel, he is talking to him about a tenfold jubilee or jubilee times 10. This is a way of telling Daniel that what I am holding out to you, what I am going to declare to you, has to do with the ultimate hope and promise that God has given to the people of God where they find their ultimate rest. He is holding out to him ultimate things that where the people of God have their final rest and hope realized in the promises of God fully and entirely fulfilled. And he even says as much in what follows. Look again at Daniel chapter 9. Seventy weeks are decreed, verse 24, about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. So he lists six things and oftentimes people uh, group them into two groups of three. Three are kind of negative, what, is, what you put a stop to. And then three are more positive in terms of what comes. And the first three that are negative all have to do with what the Lord will do with sin. Here is the ultimate hope and promise of God's people in the time of full rest that the people of God enjoy that bring them to a time where the Lord has finally put an end to transgression, to sin and iniquity. It is fully atoned for and forgiven. Uh, the positive side has to do with the bringing of righteousness, the establishment of what is uh, justness and what is good, uh, the Lord's full provision, the sealing both of vision and profit, probably having to do 
with this idea of the Lord both fulfilling all prophecy that has been given, or perhaps the idea that the prophetic office uh, comes to an end in that everything that God's people are waiting for that could be prophesied has come in its full. And then finally, to anoint a most holy place, the idea of the Lord establishing in a permanent way the manner in which he dwells with his people and his people dwell with him. The point is this, that by Gabriel speaking to Daniel, what Daniel could already understand in his day, for Gabriel to say that 70 weeks are decreed and then to list the things that he does is for him to hold out to Daniel that this is the ultimate hope of God's people that comes, as it were, at the end of a tenfold jubilee. It goes well beyond your lifetime, but it is the ultimate hope and promise of God that he holds out for his people. We're dealing with ultimate things that God promises to give his give rest to his people. Now, the language of 70, uh, the language of 70 is actually uniquely pertinent and uniquely applicable to Daniel in his circumstance. Uh, now, you may remember I mentioned briefly uh, that Daniel is already thinking about another 70. Uh, not 70 weeks, but actually 70 years. He has praying, the context here, and I can't defend this too much right now, uh, but uh, in terms of the time we have, but the context in Daniel 9, verse 2 is that he discerns that they are reaching the end of the prophesied 70 years of exile. So Daniel's considering 70 years, and then Gabriel responds in terms of 70 weeks. Now the connection between those two ideas is very interesting. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Chronicles chapter 36. 2 Chronicles chapter 36. And it tells us something very interesting about what the years of exile were. This is a kind of covenantal interpretation of what each of the years of, of exile, each of the 70 years, uh, is, uh, in, is, is considered uh, by God himself. Second Chronicles chapter 36, I'll begin in verse 20. This is describing when the people of God are brought out of the land into Babylon, and it says this, he took into exile in Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia. And then verse 21 is key. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days that it lay desolate, it kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. The point is this. Here is 70 years of exile, as, Jer as the Lord had, uh, had, had told his people through the prophet Jeremiah. And each of those 70 years is considered a Sabbath year, where the land enjoys its Sabbaths. This is very much Leviticus 25 language, where you have a cycle of six years, and then the seventh year is a year of rest for the land, a Sabbath rest for the land. Well, guess what? Because the people of God are, are sent out of the land, and in that sense, unable to work the land at all. Now, it's not only every seven years that is a Sabbath, but every single year is a Sabbath for the land 
to fulfill 70 years. So here are 70 Sabbath years. So now what's interesting is how Gabriel speaks to Daniel when he says 70 weeks of years. 70 weeks of years brings you to what? 70 Sabbaths. Ordinarily, it takes a week of years for someone to go through before they get to the Sabbath year. And if you have 70 weeks, that brings you to 70 Sabbath years. But you have 70 weeks of years compressed into 70 years only in the exile of God's people, where every single year, rather than every seven, every single year is considered a Sabbath year before the Lord. So what's the point? Why does Gabriel speak this way? Well, Gabriel certainly tells Daniel that the end of the 70-year period is going to come shortly. And just as God had promised his people, they will come back into the land and the city and temple will be rebuilt. We're going to talk more about that in another video shortly. Uh, he's, he confirms all of these things to Daniel that it will surely Come. But at the same time, Gabriel is urging Daniel to remember and to have in his mind where the ultimate hope of God's people lies. The ultimate hope of God's people is not in being restored out of the 70 years of exile, the 70 Sabbaths of exile, but is in being in reaching the end point and the fulfillment of 70 weeks that Gabriel now holds out. What God's people are waiting for is not simply to come out of exile into the land and to rebuild the place, but they are waiting for something that stretches far beyond Daniel's day to the end of what is figured as a, a tenfold jubilee period. There is another more ultimate hope that awaits the people of God that comes as a, 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 after a long stretch of, his, of, of history, 70 Sabbaths, to the ultimate conclusion of uh, God's promises and the hope of God's people. That's what Gabriel is now bringing to Daniel's attention. That's what he summarizes, uh, comes in verse 24, uh, with the six realities that we mentioned briefly. So, this is the end of our first video. Uh, the focus today was, right now, was simply to look at the 70 weeks that Gabriel describes. Next video, what I hope to do is to draw attention to what I believe are the two main subjects of this prophecy. The two main subjects. There's a person and there's a place. There are two main subjects. And then our third and final video will consider why does this prophecy still matter for us today. I uh, hope you can catch the next videos. Um, as always, Gospel Fellowship, I'm glad for you guys to reach out to me. We can talk more about these things. I expect there to be many questions because we can't deal with everything, uh, but I do hope this is of some benefit to you. Thanks.